0: What is going on, Wrestle Attic Radio family? It is I, the Impact Player of Wrestle Attic Radio, Nate the Effing Great, here with another edition of Brace for Impact. Just wanted to say ahead of time, guys, that if I seem a little slow or if I seem a little exhausted, I apologize. This past weekend, I was in Rockford, Illinois, doing some wrestling training, doing. Everything you can imagine from bumps to moves to psychology, getting ready for a big matchup that I'll be having on August 12th, which I will talk about in detail on a future episode. But if I seem a little bit off tonight, that is why I am, or today, depending on when you're listening. Anyway, so I'm going to be talking about Slammiversary 2008, which took place... On June 8th, 2008, in South Haven, Mississippi, attendance of 2,000 and a pay per view buy rate of 20,000, with the tagline, A town where legends are made. One strives to reach immortality. Some of the big matches that are included in this are AJ Styles and Kurt Angle, the King of the Mountain matchup, the tag team title match. And the, they really highly anticipated and very, I guess you could say, very well-developed uh, wedding of Black Machismo, Jay Lethal, and SoCal Val. And I have some thoughts about that, but I'm not going to go full details into this until we reach No Surrender when I talk about the entirety of this storyline but this has gotten some pretty good reviews from what I've seen. Um, John Waldman from the Canadian Online Explorer rated this show a 7 out of 10. And a lot of people seem like they were very positive on it. And I will say this there is actually one story on this show that I did not know about. And it is a sad story. I will talk about that to kind of wrap up the show, because it does happen at the end of the event. So they really highlight the fact that this is around like Memphis, Tennessee, even though they're in South Haven, Mississippi. Uh, They highlight a lot of things with Elvis. They had like a soul-filled opening, talking about the knockouts, the tag team title matchup, the wedding, Styles and Angle, and King of the Mountain, as I've mentioned before. Uh, this also took place at the DeSoto Civic Center and I'm going to see if this thing is still there. Oh, no, it is no longer called that. It is now called the Landers Center, which can seat up to about 8,400. Hmm. Interesting. So not a full sold out crowd. But still 2000, that's about a fourth of it. that's still not bad. I mean, this is uh, is 2008. So the fact that they're starting to branch out and they are going into different cities instead of just keeping it on the impact zone, that's still pretty good numbers, honestly. That's like double of what they were doing with the impact tapings. So I'm kind of all for that. We opened up the show with the X Division Championship matchup as we had Kaz challenging P.D. Williams. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the Sacrifice show, so I'm actually going to mention it right here. A little bit of a backstory about how this matchup came about. P.D. Williams was feuding with Scott Steiner, and he lost his world title briefcase, Feast Fire briefcase to him, in a match where Scott Steiner's X Division title briefcase was also on the line. During this time, Scott Steiner started to help P.D. Williams to get up some wins, and to really become, I guess, his own person in a weird way, even though he just eventually turned him into a little mini-me of himself, by basically helping him get victories, he would take him back into, like, these uh, backstage deals where he would do, like, these weird torture deals to kind of toughen him up a little bit. Finally, he said, you've passed the initiation, there's, like, one more thing you have to do, and that's basically he shaved his head, made it blonde and he put the what is it like that, that metallic uh, netting kind of hat that he has he put it on pete williams and he also rewarded him with the x division championship uh feast fire briefcase for everything that he did which pete williams cashed in on black machismo Jay lethal on an episode of impact beating him down, and even crushing his head inside the briefcase, cashing it in, hitting the Destroyer, and winning the championship. Now, Kaz won this opportunity by winning the Terror Dome that took place on Sacrifice in a previous review that I did. And honestly, I looked at this matchup and I thought, okay, Kaz has definitely still been pushed very hard as a single star. He has definitely come into his own ever since breaking away from Raven, This seems like it's going to be a really good matchup, and oh boy, this actually really is. Uh, PD Williams had a face guard on his face for what was a broken orbital bone, which I believe would have been something that happened on a live show or something like that, because I remember, well, most of the shows are taped anyway, but I don't think that they really went into details on how he broke the orbital bone. But it was kind of one of those things where I got flashbacks of Trish Stratus back in 2004 when she had that um, that, that kind of uh, facial mask that she had. Except this one, instead of having like the white strips, they were all brown. So it was kind of interesting to see that. We got some really good fast-paced action at the start. Some arm drags, finisher counters, until Kaz hits a corner drop kick. And then he hits a springboard leg drop. P.D. Williams is able to hit a Tornado D.E.T. on the floor to Kaz, which, whew, that was amazing. Uh, Hurricane Rana to the outside. Backbreaker, Neckbreaker combo, which honestly, anybody that can pull off any kind of combo and make it look very fluent is definitely great by me. Uh, Kaz does this uh, bocce flip and then a kick to the face of P.D. Williams. And we see Kaz... Look like he's going to go for a Spokingo back body drop, but he counters it into a front slam. Honestly, that was one of those things where it's like, okay, so you botched the flippy thing, but you saved Pete Williams from possibly almost getting his neck broke. Okay, so that kind of balanced things out. Hits a sling DDT, a pull-in into, into the rope cutter. Pete Williams does a flip up. Oh, so he does this deal where he... Has his arms kind of entangled onto the ropes. Kaz lifts him up. And then P. D. Williams is able to just flip up into a standing position. Gets him into the ropes and hits a dropkick from behind. I call it the 619 dropkick because it was a, it looked like a Rey Mysterio thing. Uh, Her Karana into a leg sweep. Then Petey does a bear hug into a rampage. Which I thought, holy shit, that looked great. Petey counters the flux capacitor into an arm drape on the ropes. Kaz counters the destroyer into his reverse tombstone, which I thought was really cool. Kaz kicks a Raka Khan who gets in the ring. So it is kind of one of those things you have to remember that even though Spike TV does not like, you know, men on women violence, not quite the same for pay-per-view. They're a little more lenient, I guess. Uh, takes out Scott Steiner. Petey Williams uses the hype that Scott Steiner has been carrying around with him and hits Kaz in the face for a near-two count, but this also busts up Kaz pretty good. It literally looks like he had a crimson mask on. Goes for a destroyer, but it gets countered into a roll-up, which gets countered into a Petey Williams sharpshooter. We get a wave of the future for a near-fall. He takes out Scott Steiner again. Flips over P D, but is able to beautifully counter that flip into a Canadian Destroyer for the win to retain the X Division championship. I give this one an A. Despite the fact that there were a couple spots that were a little bit botchy, this was a really good matchup, and it really showcased these guys being just staples in the X Division. I really loved everything that these guys did. It was tremendous athleticism. Uh, even some of the times when they showed the interference... It felt like the interference definitely served a lot of purpose for it. And to even have that deal where uh, Kaz dropkicks Raka Khan, at least it showed that, hey, women can be treated just the same way as men. So after the matchup, the freak show, as I call them, Scott Steiner, Raka Khan, and Kaz the Ape, and P. Williams, they attack Kaz. Scott Steiner is pissed off about not being in the world title matchup. He's pissed off about not being on the show. And basically he's saying, you know what? I got screwed out of the title. Kaz, you got a title match this week. I'm going to make sure that you can't even make it to that. I'm going to screw you. And then out comes the monster abyss. He comes out, makes a save, and he hits a black hole slam to Petey Williams, to Scott Steiner. He teases a choke slam to Raka Khan, but instead she eats a black hole slam as well. And everybody is kind of pretty happy about that. Now, here's the interesting thing about Abyss. He has been off of TV for a while uh, after the Barbed Wire Massacre 2 matchup with Judas Macias. And apparently he was put into a mental institution, from what it seems like. And he had all of these promos where he's just locked in a straitjacket. And he's talking about how the doctors say, I'm better. The doctors say, I can go home soon. And it's all this build up to his return at Slammiversary. And the interesting thing about it is that they do this deal where they don't show his face. Because in the post Barbed Wire Massacre 2 deal, he removes his mask. And he doesn't have the mask on during these promos, but he has kind of this shadow that's T- that's covering his face and honestly there's a part of me that thought maybe we're going to see abyss without the mask maybe he's going to just be th- you know this guy he's going to be like chris parks he's going to have that kind of deal but i uh, don't know instead we have a weird kind of like plaid, gray plaid version of the mask uh, okay sure so they took off the mask just so that he could have the mask back on because that makes a whole lot of sense Who's right into this time? Still Vince Russo? Oh, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Mike Taney, Don West, they are the announcers, as always. And I love the, hearing these guys. They are great. They talk about it being the six-year anniversary of TNA. And they run down the match card. And as they're doing this, Eric Young, he comes in. He's all super excited. But he also throws off Mike Tenay and Don West as they're cutting, going through the match card. I think they had two more matches to announce, but then Eric Young just started talking, and he just throws everybody off. He's talking about how Elvis is gonna be here. Elvis is gonna be here, and they keep telling him Elvis has been dead for years, and he's like, No, 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 no! no. I know that he's here. I know that he's here. And there's a seat that's reserved at ringside that says reserved for Elvis, and, and basically Eric Young is telling like, Don't sit in that seat. Don't sit in that seat. So we go backstage. And Kevin Nash gets a package for being the special enforcer. Sure, why not? Kevin Nash, he says that him and Joe is all about business and a little bit like friends. And the reason why he has been going behind Samoa Joe or like, you know, supporting Samoa Joe is that he's got a lot of stock in Samoa Joe. He wants Samoa Joe to keep winning. He believes that he can keep winning. But at the same time, he's going to do whatever he can to you know, protect his investment. So he's kind of being a little heelish here where Samoa Joe is just being that guy who's like, I'm going to keep defending the title against everybody and I'm going to kick some ass and I'm going to do it the way I do it best, basically. So it's kind of one of those weird kind of partnerships between the two of them. But in all honesty, Kevin Nash and Samoa Joe, they kind of work off each other. So it kind of works out nicely. We get a knockouts package following this where they are legit trash-talking the Divas Division of WWE, saying, you know, we don't do pillow fights. We don't do not do lingerie race stuff like that. We don't do bikini content. We don't do blah, 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 blah. We're all about, you know, taking names and kicking ass, basically. It's kind of one of those things where it's a bit refreshing to hear that, you know, women can be hot and powerful. I really love the Knockouts Division. It is more then I will say my favorite division in all of wrestling. I love the fact that they were trying to break out, break the mold of being like, you know, pretty faces and all about being hot models and stuff like that. But they also could be tough as nails. To be honest, you have people like, you know, ODB and Roxy and Gail Kim that do that. But then you also have the kind of diva-esque kind of people in Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. The beautiful people who literally are there to just be like, we're going to prove that we are still great, that we could look great in the ring. And I remember this being one of those things where it's like, oh, they are trying to get the teenage demographic to enjoy this because Velvet Sky always ends the promos by saying, you can look, but you can never touch. The beautiful people. And then she kisses the uh, camera lens, leaving a little uh, lip mark on there. So, all right. That's a perfect transition into the next matchup, in which we have Gail Kim, ODB, and Roxy Laveau taking on Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, and Moose. No, not, not that Moose. Uh Mickey Knuckles was her name and she did quite a bit of hardcore uh, death matches she also is somebody that they actually meant they actually mentioned that in the TNA deal they said oh she's formerly known as Mickey Knuckle knuckles now known as as moose just to kind of shorten it up a bit so it's kind of nice that they actually you know, and not acknowledge the fact that she has a past history. The sucky part is that Moose does not really last that long, she lasts for maybe two shows and then she's gone. Maybe because they just didn't have anything for her. I, I do hate that because I think that Moose could have been a really good uh, fit for th- this deal. And honestly, having her team up with uh, or like face off against Roxy and Gale and ODB and one on one matches. Those have been really cool. So the fan oh god, I forgot about this. So there were some fans in the audience that had like they had singles, like two, like a couple of one dollar bills, and they are literally like trying to give it to the beautiful people. And all I'm thinking to myself is, oh my god, they that is so so funny. They get some sh- uh Gail Kim. ODB and Roxy Vaux, they get some shots on Moose. Basically, as soon as the three, uh, yeah. as soon as the three faces get in the ring, then they, the beautiful people, leave the ring, and Moose is just basically a lamb sled to the slaughter's, where they're just get beating her down. We get some corner splashes by the team faces on Moose. Beautiful people try to run. Away, but they get thrown back into the ring. Uh, Roxy goes off on Moose until the beautiful people end er, fear. And Moose hits a flapjack to give t- team heels an advantage. Beautiful people do a drop, kick, kick. Oh, so they did this deal where they did like a snapmare, kick to the back, drop, kick, tag team maneuver on uh, Roxy. Moose hitting a TKO-esque-like deal. Um, We see Velvet Sky do a octopus stretch with a variation of it where she actually started biting the hand of the person that she was doing the stretch to, which I believe it was still Roxy. Yell Kim... Comes in, she's fighting off the beautiful people before hitting a diving crossbody. Angelina trips Gail and works on the bad leg. The bad leg, not leg. Uh, They really hype up the fact that Gail Kim had a uh, sprained ACL uh, during her knockouts title matchup with Awesome Kong. And odb she finally gets a tag she comes in she hits a fall slam a diving seat senton she scoops up moose hits a running power slam on moose for the victory to give team babyface the win i just want to see nothing really too spectacular in this matchup but at the same time i'm not going to knock these women for being you know kind of modest it's one of those things where it was a classic kind of babyface heel kind of matchup. Nothing really too crazy. I think that they hit the right spots. They hit the right notes. It was just, I don't know, maybe it was something that was going on with Moose where it just didn't click or there was something else that was going on, but it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, this is a pretty good average kind of tag match. So I'm not going to say anything bad about it. It was a fun matchup. I enjoyed it. Go backstage and we have a Rhino highlight package where he basically is talking about how he wants to be the world champion again you have to remember the fact that that dude fought three times in one night to become the world champion he definitely deserved at least one more run but at the same time I also understand why it didn't happen because there was a lot of big time stars that were in there and uh yeah kind of a uh, kind of hard to find a spot to put him in that area but then again, they're putting you know the title nowadays on some of the older talent, very deserving talent too. So anything can really happen in TNA. That's the beautiful thing about it. But Rhino during this after this was backstage with. I'm trying to remember because they switched off between Lauren and JB to do these kind of interviews. So I want to say that this one was JB because I think Lauren was the one who talked to Kevin Nash. So. Rhino talked about fighting his issues in the past. You know, his alcohol addictions, uh, his demons with, you know, Christian, but then moving forward to become the world champion again. So we go from that to the TNA World Tag Team Championship matchup as Team 3D took on the Latin American Exchange who had Salinas and Hector Guerrero at ringside. Story really behind this is the fact that this is a rematch from the. <clears throat> we started off with some shoulders by Hernandez, Bully Ray. I'm gonna call him Bully Ray because that's how I always on, but it is brother Ray. Bully Ray did a snapmare and a neck snap like Dolph Ziggler would do. All I thought to myself was, "Holy hell! How does a man that big do that?" Ray slams Homicide. But then eats a drop kick. Hernandez flies into d And then does a dual drop kick. To Team 3D. Both of them are on the outside. And then we get a super max tope. Followed by a tope con Helio. By Homicide through the ropes. Homicide hitting a reverse elbow. He goes up. But d pushes him off. Ray... Knocks down Salinas, which I thought, whoa, that's going to come back and haunt him. And also Hector Guerrero before working on Homicide at ringside. Devon hits a reverse rolling elbow of his own. Ray hitting a high side slam. Devon misses a diving headbutt. It seems like we're going to get a hot tag to Supermax, but Ray stops that from happening by distracting the referee. Homicide finally gets in. Not homicide. After a little while, Hernandez gets in and he hits not one but two Spookingo back body drops to Ray as well as Devon. A huge suplex to Devon. Homicide hits a cross body onto Ray. LAX, they stop the what's up by Team 3D. Giant Divine, he gets involved, but Hector Guerrero gets involved with. Giant Divine and beats him down with a kendo stick. Salinas is able to hit the what's up on Team Three D, mainly Ray. So it was a there was a nice little story right there where Salinas got taken down and then <laughs> Salinas got her revenge. I thought that was kind of cool. We get an electric chair cutter by the Latin America Exchange to Devon, spine buster by Hernandez, frog splash by Homicide to Ray. It looks like they're going to win one, two, but Devon pulls the referee out of the ring. We see Hernandez get a low blow by Ray as the referee is distracted. They're setting up for the 3D, but Homicide rolls up Ray from behind and pins him to retain the tag team titles for LAX. I was having a hard time with this one. I thought to myself, this was nothing really too special, but at the same time, I actually liked it more than the match at... Sacrifice. I think they definitely told a better story. There was a lot more elements that were put into this, so I gave this one a B. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought I. I even mentioned that whole deal with you know Selena's getting involved. It made sense. She got pie faced basically by Ray, and she got her revenge at the end. Uh, Hector Guerrero is just beating the crap out of Giant Divine. I'm surprised they have not had a match yet, but they might. You just never know. Robert Roode, he gets a promo package. He's backstage talking about how he's ready for the title, that he is not a rookie, and that he is proving himself as the very best. One of only two heels in the matchup, him and Booker T, to which I am amazed that they're still putting Booker T and Roode in these matches together because, you know, why? I've already talked about the fact how much I hate that. Oh, we get to go into this fun thing. So we go next to the $25,000, dubbing it the Kong Challenge. This is Awesome Kong at her finest. So Awesome Kong made an agreement with TNA Management and Raisha Saeed, her manager, basically told JB, take this paperwork Bring it out to the to the ring. What it basically states is that Kong has beaten everybody in the knockouts division. In all honesty, she has. So it's one of those things where what does she want to do? Well, she wants to find her own competition. So she says that she will allow anybody to get in the ring with her as soon as they sign the waiver. And if they can beat her, they will not only earn a title shot against awesome Kong but they will win $25,000. The list of this has not been very long, but there are some notable names that I will mention with this. First one being Melissa. Second one being Leva Bates. Yes, that Leva Bates, the future Blue Pants, as well as the librarian from AEW. And one of them, the late, great Daphne. This was one of those things where as soon as I saw... Daphne, my heart, my heart broke. I got a little emotional from that. Considering what happened with her. I'm not going to go into details about it. You guys have a phone. You can look it up yourselves. So Kong comes out here during this event and she lays out a challenge to have anybody face her with the same stipulation. I will also say this, that just about every single person in these uh, challenges... They legit take the awesome bomb so good, like it literally looks like they were destroyed from the from these awesome bombs. So basically, they go through the same routine. They call out a couple people to come to ringside, and Kong picks out which one she wants to face. And we get two. We have Serena Deeb. Yep, that's Serena Deeb. And Josie Robinson, the future known Sojourner Bolt. So, she picks uh, Serena Deeb to come into the ring. Serena does not last that long. She eats the guardrails. She eats the steps. Gets hit with the implant buster for the win. After the match is over, Kong looks over at... The four, the future Sojo Bolt, and Sojo, she wants in. She's ready to go. Kong is like, okay, let's do it. And Sojo takes it to Awesome Kong like immediately. She like signs right away, jumps over, goes crazy on Awesome Kong. And this I kind of like the fact that we got two different kind of matches, even though they both lasted less than three minutes, and. Excuse me. It was uh, it was quite amazing. Uh, actually, after she took it to Kong, she then got swatted by Awesome Kong. Awesome Kong then decided to take her gloves off, and she's just doing back fists to Sojo bare fisted. It was literally one of those things like, oh, this is really good. Now. Awesome bomb on Soja Bold for the win. Kong gets two victories in one night. Absolutely amazing. Honestly, guys, I gave this an A. These were two matches that served a purpose, and they they were both different. They were both really good. One definitely had a more one-sided affair. The other one was showing that, hey, somebody who has a lot of heart and a lot of passion can take it to Awesome Kong. So that was one of the things where I was like, okay, this is good. I like it. Uh, While Austin Kong is kind of reveling in her victory, Eric Young, he's like, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to let you know that he's here. He's here. Elvis is here. (laughs) So this impersonator, Elvis, he comes out, and he's doing the classic little like, well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. And the fans start booing him. It... (laughs) It's kind of funny seeing that. Uh, just one of those things where it's like a local legend, but they just don't care. So the Elvis gets in the ring. Elvis gets awesome bombed to a parade of cheers. And that's it. That's how we end the segment. Go backstage and we have Christian Cage. He gets his own promo package. He has a nice little promo promo here where he quotes from a movie, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it's yours to keep. And if it doesn't, it was never yours to begin with. And he tried so hard to let go of the fact that he was the champ. He wanted to move on, do some other project. But the thing was that he just loved being the best and he loved being the champ. This is one of those things where it's just such a good promo by Christian Because it shows how much passion that he has for the business. He definitely is one of those guys who wanted to prove that he was indeed the best that there was to be as world champion goes. And honestly, he's one of those guys who I feel is an underrated TNA champion. He definitely goes out there and he puts on really good matches. He tries to really build up these uh, younger talent. And it's just one of those things where I watch it and I'm like, man, if only we had like maybe one more run for Christian Cage as DNA World Champion. That would have been kind of cool, but just was not meant to be. So now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Well, maybe. We have the wedding of SoCal Val and Black Machismo Jay Lethal. Woof, there is so much to. Unpack with this. What do I mean by this? So. After we had the six-man all-or-nothing matchup. Between Motorcy Machine Guns and Lethal versus Team 3D and Jai Divine. There's been this build with SoCal Val and Jay Lethal. Where Jay Lethal gets down on one knee and asks SoCal Val to go out with him. And they start doing like these. They call it like courtships where socal Valley and Jay lethal they go to uh, oh gosh I'm trying to think of what the um I trying to remember which was I think I think it was the it was one of, it was one of the adventure parks I want to. I want to say it was Universal Studios they went there they went to a restaurant seafood restaurant they went to a just just a hotel, hot tub. And every single time that they do these courtship deals, we see uh, Sanjay Dutt kind of getting in between them. And you see it early on that Sanjay Dutt has something going on through his mind. And there's something that you can kind of tell is not right in the world. So fast forward to, I think it was the week after Sacrifice. Lethal gets down one knee again. And he asks SoCal Val to marry him at Slammiversary. To which Val does the whole, oh yeah. We see them kind of building up the wedding. They're talking about all the plans, blah, blah, blah. Sanjay is kind of losing his mind. Back behind Jay Lethal's back. And then he gets announced to be the best man. Then we fast forward to the uh, bachelor party in which you have, like, everybody there. And they announce the groomsmen for this. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I think I'm going to go into it right here because it's kind of amazing. We have Coco Beware, Jake the Snake Roberts, George the Animal Steel, Kamala. And Ace Young, during that time, who was an American Idol finalist, who also made this video for SoCalVal and Jay Lethal, where it was definitely very sensual, very... It was, it was one of those things where it just got to be a little bit too weird for me. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it was like, um, I know that TNA stands for another thing as well, but I don't think it meant that we were going to show, like, the softcore porn kind of deal. Um, it was just one of those things where I thought that, you know, the song sounded okay. The music video itself, it was one of those things where, like, ah, uh, this is weird, because why is somebody recording Lethal and SoCal Val supposedly about to have sex? Just, it, it's bizarre. I know. I... I I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) Um, They do the promo package for this. And it's blatantly obvious that Sanjay Dunn, he is going to do something. And I wish they didn't do that. I wish they would have just, you know, focused more on the happiness that was going on. And then it would have been something to where people would be like, Oh yeah, we did forget about Sanjay Dunn doing all these things. But nope, they made this way too obvious. So... We have the groomsmen. They are out. We don't get bridesmaids, which I thought was weird. But it's a TNA wedding, I guess. Uh, we have Sarah Donegan and Sanjay Dunt, who are the matron of, the maid of honor and the best man. Black Machismo, he comes out. There's a sign out there that says, Machismo, don't do it, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But also one of those things where I'm like, you know what? It's like they predicted the future. (laughs) Val comes out. She's in her wedding dress. And the first thing that the minister goes to, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to unite these people in holy matrimony. If anybody has any objections, speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Obviously, the audience doesn't count. (laughs) But then they go into like exchange of the vows. And that's where Sanjay interrupts where he basically is saying, you know, you're making a big mistake. And Lethal's like, dude, I know that you're looking out for me, but I got this. This is what I want to do. And Sanjay's like, no, I'm not talking to you, Jay. I'm talking to her. You see, Val, I'm in love with you, and you should be marrying me, not Jay. You should be marrying me. Val is literally distraught. She's like, what are you talking about? And... <laughs> Lethal is just beyond pissed. He kind of moves Jay out of the way. Uh, this gets a bit of a mixed reaction because there's some people that are like, yeah, Sanjay, yeah, you're stopping this wedding. But then there are people are like, uh, boo, I guess? It's it's really weird. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, wow, they built this up and these people are barely reacting to this. Sanjay... Then grabs like a decorative deal from the wedding. Hits Lethal it with it from behind. But then. Gets. Oh. For, for crying out loud, I forgot about this. So Ace Young. He comes in. And he just gets pummeled. By Sanjay Dutt. But then the legends they come in. They beat down Sanjay Dutt. Including Kamala. Kokabui Ware. Jake the Snake. They just whoop. Sanjay's ass. All while... All while uh, Val is going up the stage. She's just like, You ruined my wedding! You ruined my wedding! Then Jake the Snake, he puts the snake, uh, or at least a snake, onto Sanjay Dunt, who gets out of the ring. Fans are chanting, DDT, DDT. But he doesn't do the DDT. I will say this. Compared to... When I saw him at Bound for Glory 2006, Jake looked a lot better. He definitely seemed a bit more coherent in this deal. So I think this might have been one of those deals where he was starting to get a little bit better, but not fully there yet because I know a few years later is when he and DDP uh, worked together to get him completely sober. But he definitely seemed like he was in a definitely better state of mind. During this deal so it's really cool to kind of see that but ultimately this segment felt very rushed it definitely felt like they took a lot of time to get all of these legends out but then as soon as they got to the wedding it's like oh we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go um whereas i see a wwe wedding and it's not as rushed it definitely feels like they want to go through like every single step but it felt like somebody was in the back just saying, like, you know, bro, we want to just get to the good stuff, bro. Nobody cares about all this other wedding crap, bro. We just want to get to the good stuff, bro, so let's just fast forward, bro. I feel like they could have handled this a little bit better. I think if they would have taken their time with this, maybe get the fans a little bit more invested, then it would have been fine. But I think the fact that they were rushing it definitely hurt it. So, now we go backstage and we get a, another... Promo package, you guessed it, for Booker T. And this is where it gets interesting, ladies and gentlemen, because during the build-up to this, Booker T has definitely been feeling like he is just not appreciated by TNA whatsoever. And honestly, the guy has already said a lot of things about his run with TNA, saying that he regrets it. Uh, I can understand why he feels that way. But... <laughs> um, He was probably promised a lot of different things. And. uh, They're not really exactly. Followed through with. But he said that he feels cheated by TNA. Says that. Everything is better because of him. Like you know. Buy rates are up because of him. Television ratings are up because of him. More talent want to come in because of him. But he also focuses on the fact that he wants the world title. Because the world title means power. And. This was a really, honestly, I kind of like this line where he talks about how WWE dictated his career. But now in TNA, he uh, definitely wants, (laughs) but now in TNA, he definitely has a little more say in his career. And that he will be champion at the end of the night. So now we go on to the next matchup, ladies and gentlemen. It's AJ Styles versus Kurt Angle. Oh my gosh, this story is so much better than Rude and Booker T. So, everybody may have, I'll kind of go a little more deep into this. So, Kurt Angle and Karen Angle, they were setting up and doing a vow renewal ceremony on TNA. During Valentine's Day. So, this is like months before. And at the end of it, the minister pronounced AJ Styles and Karen Angle to be husband and wife because of shenanigans. And by that, I mean Samoa Joe and Kevin Ash, they come in. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to mess up your party. They basically got everybody beat down, including the minister. And AJ Styles kisses Karen. So, they are basically husband and wife. They do this nice little uh, homage where the two of them go on like their mini honeymoon. Uh, honestly, it's kind of one of those things where I liked it because it definitely showed a lot more personality for AJ Styles. And I feel like it definitely benefited Karen Angle a bit. It was one of those times where it's like she's not as annoying as she is when she comes across on TV. So I feel like when she and AJ were paired up, I could tolerate her a bit more. And ultimately, this boiled down to Kurt Angle wanting to have more focus on his title match with Samoa Joe at lockdown. Karen Angle said that they should get a separation, which Kurt Angle willingly agrees to. After losing the title, he believes that his life will be better once Karen is back in his life. So Kurt Angle does this kind of deal where he says, you know, oh, you know, I understand that this was all your fault. And blah, 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 blah. He basically just is putting on one of the worst husband of the year speeches. And basically says, you know, I forgive you. It's totally fine. You can come back. We got so much for you to do. Do. And then Karen drops a bombshell on Kurt saying that she wants a divorce. And Kurt Angle's saying, are you seeing somebody? Are you seeing AJ Styles behind my back? And... Karen insists that AJ Styles and Karen Angle, they're just friends. Uh, we see after losing to Booker T in a King of the Mountain qualifying matchup, AJ Styles is beaten down by Team 3D and a bit by Tomko, and then Kurt Angle comes out, looks to save AJ, but then just cracks AJ in the head with a steel chair. AJ is just a bloody mess. He's just getting beaten down, beaten down like week after week. Finally, the fans... I mean, TNA manager there said, told, okay, we're going to give Kurt Angle and AJ Styles a match. at the and hopefully this will settle it all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to find out. So we start off with some AJ Styles arm drags, which are great. He hits an amazing drop kick because, my God, he does an amazing drop kick. Hits a phenomenal forearm early on Kurt Angle. Tomko gets a little bit involved, and that's enough for... Referee to say, you know what? We want this matchup to end very well and nicely. You're out of here. Tomko is ejected. Kurt Angle throws AJ into the guardrail. Styles does a dive onto Angle from outside into the ring. Hits his knee drop. Angle picks up AJ and hits a Spokingo Weiss on him. He's wearing down AJ with some... Headlocks, chin locks, such like that. Does a kitchen sink. He does a back breaker, which I've never seen Kurt Angle do. AJ Styles reverses a superplex into a rever- reverse superplex. I've honestly never seen somebody do that. We see him do a spin kick. He does the pump handle gut buster, suplex neck breaker. And just as we see like AJ Styles is going to get some uh, more offense in, Kurt Angle starts taking AJ to Suplex City. One German, two Germans, but then AJ Styles counters the third German and hits Kurt Angle with a huge over-the-head. Kurt Angle literally flips over AJ with that German. Kurt Angle then grabs AJ and makes him do the same. We get a belly-to-belly into the turnbuckle. An angle slam countered into a DDT by AJ Styles. Styles goes for the clash but it gets countered into the ankle lock. AJ Styles is able to fight out of it, do a backflip inverted DDT. AJ goes up, but Kurt Angle leaps, goes to the top and hits a super angle slam. He locks in the ankle lock again, but AJ is able to counter into a victory roll. And just as we get a two count there, AJ with a huge Pele, Kurt Angle seems like he's done one, and he grabs the bottom rope. He doesn't even kick out. He grabs the bottom rope because he knows he could not kick out of that. That I thought was great. Kurt Angle counters the clash attempt again with the ankle lock, but gets shoved into Earl Hebner, who's knocked down. AJ is able to, from his back on the ground, do a hurricane run into Kurt Angle on the outside. Karen Angle... She teases giving the chair to Kurt Angle in the ring, but then just yoinks it away from him. AJ Styles does a roll-up, but then transitions it, transitions it into the Styles Clash. One time, only one, two, three. AJ Styles picks up the victory. I was torn with this matchup. I was going to either give this to Golden Goat or what I went into here was I gave it an A. This was match of the night. This was absolutely amazing. A great matchup in which they had very little interference, but it's because of that interference that got knocked down a bit to that A instead of being one of the best matches in TNA history. I think there may be one matchup here that will probably top that. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that one. That's going to be good. After the matchup, Kurt Angle and Tomko, they... Beat down AJ Styles. Uh, Kurt Angle locks AJ into the ankle lock. And even grapes binds it so that way he can't escape. Tomko is just beating up anybody that's trying to come in to help him out. This feud is long for being over. We have Samoa Joe backstage. He's got his own promo package. And he says that no one will take the belt away from him. That he is ready for a fight and he's ready to lead the next generation to be the well, the next generation of world champions, literally. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going into the main event, which is the King of the Mountain matchup for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Samoa Joe defending against Robert Roode, who defeated Matt Morgan to qualify. Rhino, who defeated James Storm. Booker T., who defeated AJ Styles, Christian Cage, who defeated Tomko, and Kevin Nash as the special guest enforcer. So literally, he is basically there to hand the belt off and make sure that there is no funny business. Rules are simple. You have to pin your opponent or make them submit to qualify. The person who gets pinned or made to submit must spend two minutes in the penalty cage. Once you've qualified, you can grab the belt and climb up the ladder and hang it. The first person to do so is the winner. It's as simple as that. Cage and Rhino, they're doing some double-T moves on Robert Root for a bit. Uh, Cage gets thrown to the outside by Booker T, and it looks like he crash-landed on his knee. It almost looked like he probably injured himself. Rhino counters a couple of Booker T moves, like his spin kick and his... Deal before tossing him out. Samoa Joe hitting his uh, Atomic Drop kick. senton combo on Rhino. Rude tries to go for a dive on Samoa Joe. And Joe's just like, no. Just walks away. He does his chop, kick, and the knee to Rude. Cage comes back in and he's feeling better than ever. Either that or he was playing Possum. Hits the Impaler DT on Rude. Joe hits a Corner Splash and kick to Christian Cage. We get a snap suplex, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a snap suplex, snap power slam to Cage and Booker T, a diving reverse elbow by Christian Cage to Samoa Joe. Cage gets locked into a tree of O, and we see probably one of the more brutal uh, face washes that I've seen where Samoa Joe hits it on Christian Cage while he's upside down on that tree of O. Damn. So we get our first qualification here, which Booker T... Grabs Rhino, hits him with the bookend for the pinfall, and he gets put into the cage. Cage drop kicks the ladder into Booker T and Samoa Joe as they're trying to get in the ring. Rude hits a blockbuster under Christian Cage. Cage and Rhino, who's now back in the matchup, they spar off for a little bit until Samoa Joe stops it. Samoa Joe hits a corkscrew plancha to basically everybody on the outside. Everyone except for Christian Cage, who sees everybody, goes to the top turnbuckle, goes to the top of the penalty cage, and then dives off that cage onto everybody there. Christian Cage throws items in the ring. He grabs a ladder, but Rude uh, hits Christian Cage with a chair while uh, Cage has those, Christian Cage has the ladder. So it's kind of one of those things where he just uses that Uh, chair to hit the ladder, which hits in Christian Cage. He gets knocked down, and he gets pinned by that. Immediately, Rhino rolls up Rude to qualify and beat Rude. Nash grabs Rude, and he just tosses him into that cage. Joe repeatedly tries to lock Booker T into the coquina clutch two or three times. Until he finally does. Then Christian. Uh, oh, so there's an attempt where he actually has him locked into the uh, Coquina clutch. He's on the ground. Looks like Booker T is about to pass out. Christian Cage is on the top of the cage. Does a frog splash hitting Booker T and Samoa Joe. Pins Booker to qualify. We get a super. German suplex by Samoa Joe to Robert Roode off of the ladder in a spot that was from last year. Samoa Joe hits a super cutter to Christian Cage from the ladder. We see a gore by Rhino to Samoa Joe. Booker T lays out everybody with the championship, including Kevin Nash. He go. We see Booker T climbing to the top of the ladder. Looks like he's about to hang the hang the uh, belt. Kevin Nash comes in, jackknife power bombs Booker T down off the ladder. Rhino gores Christian Cage off of the apron into a table that was set up earlier in the match. Rude hits a Northern Lights lariat to Samoa Joe, but also taking out Rhino. Rhino, uh, Rude goes up. Looks like he's going to hang the belt, but Samoa Joe hits a muscle Buster onto Rude. Pins him to qualifies, and then Samojo immediately climbs up the ladder, hangs the title, and retains the championship. The first man ever to walk in and walk out of the King of the Mountain matchup as champion. I give this one a C. This was a very interesting King of the Mountain matchup. I feel like there were some parts that were really good but then there were also some parts I felt like they were just being fast-forwarded. Like, the finish there was the one thing where I was like, uh... Um, yeah. I was just... I was not a fan of that. Where it was just immediately, boom, pin, climb up, matches over. It was just one of those things where it's like, they probably could have done a little bit more with that. But as far as... You know, King of the Mountain match, it's a King of the Mountain matchup. It can be crazy at times. Honestly, it's hard to replicate some of the, you know, great moments from King of the Mountain matches. And honestly, some of these matches have been getting a lot better. Like I said, uh, this past year, it was either this past year or the previous year. When they had the Queen of the Mountain matchup, which I thought was the best way to do the King of the Mountain matchup. That is probably the one where it's very hard to top that. Overall, though, this show was a B. This was a really good show. I did not have any matches where I was just like groaning, rolling rolling my eyes or anything like that. Everything was pretty damn good. It wasn't a perfect show. Some of them had some lacking kind of matches or lacking kind of moments in these matches. But for the most part, it was a fun show. I quite enjoyed it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what... This future deal, the future you know TNA is going to bring. But, unfortunately, this event does not end on a high note. Because, I did not know this until I actually looked at the Wikipedia page. But apparently there was an accident in which, unfortunately, one of the crew members for TNA was was killed. And um, this th- this sucks. Th- this really does suck. So I'm going to read you what it says right here. And I'm going to give my thoughts on this. So after Slammiversary ended, crews began to disassemble the set used for the event. During this time, a man named Kevin Angus sinex Senex, I should say, was removing a light array when the scaffolding he was positioned on collapsed, causing him to slam against the concrete floor below. He is rushed to the Baptist DeSoto Hospital in South Haven, Mississippi, where he was pronounced deceased. Another worker named Paul Martin was also taken to the hospital due to his thumb being cut off in the incident. TNA released a statement regarding the incident the next day through their site and the episode on June 12th of Impact was dedicated to the Cynics with a banner at the beginning of the show stating, In memory, Kevin Cynics, 1963-2008. to A moment of silence was held prior to the Impact tapings after Slammiversary in honor of Cynics. And the statement for TNA Red posted was as follows. Followed. A tragic accident following TNA's pay-per-view at the DeSoto County Civic Center in South Haven, Mississippi, resulted in the death of an employee of TNA Independent Production Contractor. The accident occurred following the conclusion of the event as technical crews worked to disassemble the TNA set. Currently, TNA is working in cooperation with local authorities to investigate the details surrounding the accident. TNA is deeply saddened by this tragedy. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family in their time of loss. Take it from the report by Ariel Scherner of a fight network. So I'm hoping that as soon as these moments happen, that they do a better job of making sure that their employees are safe. This definitely felt like this was a freak accent that I feel like it could have been avoided. But at the same time, I don't know how, they, how, how it could have been avoided. It's just one of those things where I really hated the fact that there was an accident like this that took place on a show. The fact that it is resulting in the death of somebody who works with TNA. And people have to remember that those who work behind the scenes – are just as big a stars as those who are in front of the camera. You cannot replace any one of those people. So to everybody that has worked behind the scenes for major wrestling shows, for minor wrestling shows, whatever level, you are appreciated for all the hard work and effort that you put in. And without you guys, these shows would not be the same. Truly really mean that. So, and I, I want to send a shout out and. Thoughts and prayers to Kevin Angus uh, cynics family. Sorry for your loss. And just know that he did everything that he could to make sure that he was one of the best workers. I guarantee that. So I really do hate that I'm ending it on that kind of a note. But it was one of those things where I was like, I should really talk about this so hopefully as time has gone on they have definitely gotten better with a lot of these deals i'm hoping that i don't have to read a report like this again it just it's really sad to see that so ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening in to this edition of brace for impact thank you so much for you know continuing to support the wrestle attic radio family we definitely do appreciate your love and support whether that be through listening to all of our podcasts on any single podcasting format, whether it's following us on our social media, whether it's at attic underscore wrestle for Instagram, as well as on Twitter. You could also go to the Twitter page and you'll see the link tree, which you could check out all of our different sites that have our social medias, as well as our merch store. So much great merch that you can wear to show your support to the cause. That is wrestle Attic Radio. Definitely check me out on social media. At Real and Game, you can ask me questions about the shows themselves. You could ask me about some of the things that went on with TNA, some of the favorite thoughts, stuff like that. Feel free to do that. I will tell you guys this, that over the next few shows, you may in fact hear a new voice on the show. That's because I'll be doing some collaborations with some of the people at WrestleAct Radio, especially since we're going to be coming closer and closer to a big Big storyline that took place in TNA. So definitely keep on the lookout for that. When it does happen, I will let you guys know. Uh, Thank you so much for listening in. Like I said, thank you guys so much for all of your support. And we are continuing to be the common core, to be the cure for the common wrestling podcast. We can't do it alone. So please continue to support us. Let's find that and let's find that cure. Thank you so much, you guys. Take care. I'll see you next time.